right, well, good morning, everybody. Happy New Year. Anyone excited that it's 2021? A few? Okay, yeah. I mean, let me ask this. Anyone excited that it's not 2020? <laughs> Maybe that's a way to look at it. I don't know, but it's great to uh, have you here with us online and in person. You all came to the, the warmer of the two services today. It's, a, it's, you know, as we endure our chilly San Diego winter, it's good that you're here. I did feel it this morning. I jumped on my motorcycle riding here, and I didn't jump on my motorcycle. I rode my motorcycle here, and uh, it, was, I w- it was a little colder than I was expecting, so uh, I think my ride home will be better, but uh, it's good to have you here. Uh, n- it's New Year's, and so near the beginning of the year is a time when a lot of people like to reflect on the year that we just went through and look ahead to the year ahead. A lot of people like to make goals or resolutions. Anybody anybody, a resolution slash goal maker for the year? Do you have any? Okay, a few of you. You are way less ambition than first, ambitious than first service, which is maybe why you're at the second service. Maybe that's why. Yeah. It's like the 830 people are like, oh, yeah, we got goal. We got stuff we're doing. You guys are like, yeah. It's warm. Probably go surfing later today. Yeah. Okay. I, I see where you're at. But anyway, so here we are, 2021, and it's a good time to look ahead. I'm the kind of person who I, I said I don't make resolutions, but I make goals. I make too many, even though my wife's been asking, what are your goals for this year? I haven't made them all yet, um, but uh, I, I usually end up with way too many. Some of you don't make resolutions because you have in the past, and you know how that goes. Usually the average is three weeks it takes for someone to give up on their New Year's resolution. So uh, if you're still hanging strong, way to go. You're still average. But let's see if you can get through the whole month. But um, anyway, it's good to be with you at this beginning of the year as we do reflect on the year uh, behind. But we look, more importantly, we look ahead to the year that's ahead. You know, uh, we're in the series through the book of Acts, and we're going to pick up that series again kind of today, but really next week, Um, and as we, because we're going to take a little different direction today, in fact, I'll invite you to open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 11, we'll get there in a moment, but as I was looking at the book of Acts, uh, and and thinking about this series and what we're going through, we're studying the early church and how Christians in the first century lived the ways of Jesus in their world, and I was thinking about the world that they lived in, and the, the year we just got through, and the world we live in. And 2020 was a challenging year for all of us in different ways, either in your individual lives, uh, many in our work lives or our church family life. Uh, There's all kinds of challenges, things that we never thought we would address in in the life of school certainly has been disrupted as well. And we look at all of that and some of the things that we had to navigate is we had to obviously navigate our response to the, the uh, health issues and how do we respond even as a church? Are we inside, outside? Are we meeting at all? How do we do all this stuff? Um, we, as a country, saw a lot of divisiveness politically. We saw in the summer uh, there was a lot of kind of uprising and tension with the racial reconciliation and racial justice issues. And uh, so we have wrestled with and went through a lot of these things together. And then on top of that, there's the very real health issues and, and, and even economic issues that have come as a result of this. Some people have, uh, and some of you have lost your jobs or at least have taken cuts in pay. And, and so have to kind of navigate through that. Some have 
been through COVID. Some have had family members. We know that even of our Seacoast family, there's been uh, other family members who've died from COVID. So this has been a year where there's just been all kinds of challenges and all of that on top of just regular life. Regular life, when you, it, when you look back through the year, always offers challenges. So I was thinking about all of that. And then how do we, and thinking what does it look like for Christians now in the 21st century to live the ways of Jesus, even in with that backdrop of all of the challenges that we have faced and will certainly face new ones in the year ahead? And how does it relate to the early church? Because, you know, the early church, even though they're living the life that we read about in Scripture, their world was very much like ours. In fact, to be Christian was very countercultural. The way they viewed the world, their own ethics, were so countercultural. In fact, the first Christians, their faith was not wanted. They were facing persecution, martyrdom. Many lost their lives for their faith. There was divisions even among uh, all the cultures they went to. There was, they were wrestling with divisions and different worldviews among themselves, socioeconomic issues, racial issues. All of these the early church navigated. And here we are 2,000 years later, and we read about them. And so for me, as I'm thinking about this series, thinking what was it about the way they lived the ways of Jesus in their lives that left a legacy that we still read about 2,000 years later? And if the world should exist 2,000 years from now, what could the church, that's you and I who follow Jesus, what could we do or how our lives look now that might leave a legacy that in 2,000 years from now, if the world should still exist, that they would say, wow, look at how the church in the 21st century lived the ways of Jesus in a culture that wasn't as welcoming to them as you might expect. And I think that it's going, our culture is, has been indifferent to Christianity and it's becoming more and more op- in opposition to Christianity. So how do we live the ways of Jesus in a way that actually leaves a legacy and makes an impact in our world? And so that's, as I was thinking about that, I think what a great way to start off the year and say, what, how can we grow in our own understanding of what that looks like to live the ways of Jesus? How can we carry on this own legacy? And before we get into that, I just uh, want to tell you a little bit about myself. I am what I would consider the uh, a jack-of-all-trades, master-of-none. If you need me to fix plumbing or electrical in your house, I can do it. I can probably fix a lot of things on your cars. Um, I could probably actually build your house if you didn't have me do the finish work. Uh, I can do most of that stuff. I love to do that kind of stuff. Uh, I I can uh, play guitar and piano. Okay. I can do a lot of things, but I'm not a master at any of them. And growing up, I was like that. I, I played whatever sport was in season, that's what I played. Football season, we played football. Basketball season, I played basketball. Baseball season, played baseball. I even for a minute lived in Minnesota, and our, our ponds in my neighborhood would freeze over. We'd ice skate on those ponds from time to time. Um, and, or, and so we got into playing hockey, and we'd even play hockey on our street because our street would get so packed with ice and snow that you could hit a hockey puck. We didn't skate on it. We just had our moon boots. Come on, any Midwesterners know what a moon boot is? Come on, they're cool. So we would run on the ice with our hockey pucks and hockey sticks and have our moon boots, and we'd play hockey. So would, and, and so I was okay at that. So I could do all of those things okay. As I got older, I got into skating, uh, skateboarding, and uh, 
was okay. I, I could do it. In fact, every once in a while now, I'll see somebody skate. You know, we'll have like a junior hire with a skateboard here. I'm like, give me your board. And I'll like do one trick that I know I can do. And if I land it, I'll just kind of roll it back to him. Like, there you go, young man. Kind of walk off, like drop the mic. And, and they think they're impressed. Like, oh, his bones didn't even break when he did that. But um, and, and snow skiing, I got into snow skiing. In fact, if there's anything that started to become like not just jack of all trades, but master snow skiing was was one of those, and, and then of the sports, baseball was one that I spent the most time in and got the best at, and skiing probably even better than baseball. It was just something that was such a part of who I was that it was something that that I felt very proficient. In fact, we I, it had been many years since I skied. We went up to Utah last year to go. I finally taught my kids how to do it. I didn't teach them early on because it's just not cheap. <laughs> so that's the, bo- that's the bottom line. And, um, and I went, and I felt we had fresh snow, and it was like riding a bike. I felt like I was tearing through this, going down the slopes like I always did. The only difference was about halfway down, we had fresh powder, and I was flying through the trees and, and felt like I can still do this. But halfway down, I had to stop and let my back rest. So that was the only difference of um, now and 10 or 15 years ago. But so those things were easy for me because I s- they became such a part of my life. They're such a huge part of my life. Now, another sport I kind of like is golf. Any golfers out there? We, we have some. Okay, there's a few. We, we have a lot of golfers actually at Seacoast. In fact, we have our, our men do a once-a-month golf day. And then uh, in the summer, there's this two-day golf extravaganza that our men's ministry partners with Curtis Chan. And we go, go out to the desert. And you can play up to 72 holes of golf in, in two days. And, and so I love to go out there and play. And that's a ton of golf in two days. It's like four rounds if you stay late. And so I'll go and play those 72 holes. Now for me, in, in a course of a year, I play about 72 holes of golf. So, um, so I put, pack them all into those two days. And when I go, I, I'm not terrible, but I'm also not good. So if you go and we do it tournament style and you get assigned and you look at who's in your group and you say, oh, Ryan's with me. Well, we're out there to have fun. That's what we're out there for. But but so here's the difference with golf as opposed to some of the other things that I'm better at. For me, I can hit some good shots. In the course of two days, I'm going to hit some great shots. But that's not the norm. And the reason why is because it's never been something that for me has been such a part of my life that I hit any of those shots from experience. It's not like my ball lands in a place and there's like the tall, gr- you know, I'm in the rough, there's four-inch grass and the wind's in my face and I, you know, the sun's shaped, you know, on this side and there's a tree there. Okay, I'm going to use my seven iron and hook it around because I've been here before and I know this situation. No, when I golf, it's there's the ball, there's the hole. I'm going to hit it as hard as I can and try to get it there. That's, that's my experience. Because it's never been a big part of my life. As we think about living the ways of Jesus and in our own spiritual lives, the question I have for us as we start off our year, for you, is this, is Jesus part of your life? Or is it just an occasional part? Is Jesus for you like golf? Every once in a while you hit a good shot. Every once in a while you're right there with him. Or is your walk with Christ something that consumes you, that's transforming your life. And I was thinking of the early church, and the one thing that we see over and over again in the book of Acts is they devoted themselves to to prayer, to worship, to the study of Scripture, to fellowship with one another, to service, to all of these things. 
that allowed them to be in more in tune with the life of Christ, and therefore it led to transformation in their lives. And so this morning what I want to talk about is as we look ahead at 2021, is what practices can we have in our lives that will help us to, I'm going to use this word, grow spiritually. Now let me say, when I say spiritual growth or spiritual formation, I don't believe that life should be separated. I don't believe there's a spiritual life and a non-spiritual life. I believe that all of life is spiritual. It's just we're not always aware. One author said this way, there's no sacred moments and non-sacred moments. There's sacred moments and desecrated moments. There's moments when we don't recognize that God's at work. We don't recognize the spiritual world. So, but I am going to talk about spiritual formation and spiritual growth today. And what I mean is I believe it's all a part of our lives, but let's be honest. When we think about this, how do we grow? How can we get to the end of this next year and say, I feel like I understand Jesus more. I feel like at the end of this year, Jesus has been a more part of my life, and I'm living the ways of Jesus in new ways. So I'm going to talk about spiritual growth, and I'm going to introduce, for some of you it's new, many of you it's, it's, it's something you've heard before, things called spiritual disciplines. And if you're like me, you hear that word, and you're like, oh, come on, let's steer away from anything called spiritual discipline. But we'll get into that in a little bit. Now, when we talk about spiritual life or spiritual growth or living the ways of Jesus in this very difficult world, some of you might be out there right now and say, I've tried this before. Every year I start off and I say, this is the year where I'm going to be all in in my faith, where I'm really going to understand the life of Christ, where I'm really going to surrender. This is the year. And by Monday morning, start to struggle. Halfway through the year, you're just exhausted, and then you come back in January. And so sometimes we think about spiritual growth or spiritual life, and we think it's just exhausting. It sounds difficult. So I want to turn our attention to Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Because Jesus was speaking to a group of people who had a desire to know God and to follow his ways. They had a desire to to live the, the, their faith in very practical ways. It was a big part of their lives, yet many were exhausted from their faith. They were exhausted in trying to do the right things. And so Jesus says this in Matthew ch- uh, chapter 11, verse 28. He says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. When you think of the life of Christ, you think of following him, think of walking the life of faith in the face of all of the opposition. For you is the first thing that comes to your mind, oh yeah, that sounds restful. Or do you think, oh, it's so hard. So what does Jesus mean when he says, I will give you rest? If you are weary and feeling the burden, I will give you rest. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Now, for a first century Jewish teacher, and it became a tradition of the rabbis that their yoke was their interpretation of how to live out the laws of God in real life. So if I were to say, hey, my yoke of scripture, follow my yoke. It's, I will tell you what it looks like to be a person following Jesus. I'm going to give you the yoke. 
And so yoke brought up this imagery of what they'd put on animals who are pulling a, a plow, or the yoke was on them, and it, they'd carry that burden. So the rabbis use that and say, my yoke is my interpretation of living the ways of God. So Jesus says, my, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. As we start off, let me just ask you, if you look back at the year behind, for those of you who are already followers of Jesus, how much did you want to learn from Jesus in this last year? Was your approach to just know about him and, and get more information, or was it to really learn from Jesus, to learn what it looked like to walk his ways, to learn what it looked like to interact in your, in your marriage and in your family with your kids or with your parents? how to interact in your workplace. Were you learning from Jesus or were you learning about Jesus? Was it just information in your head or was it something you were learning his ways? Jesus says, learn from me. For I'm gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, when Jesus says that, I don't believe what Jesus was saying is that if you follow me and live my ways, that it is that you were going to have the American definition of the best life now. I don't think he was saying that. I don't think he was saying that if you follow me, the world's going to look at you and say, man, that is the that is the standard I want. Because our world does not define rest and good life the way that God would define it. But I actually don't also believe the definition of good life according to the world is restful. But in Jesus, he says, find rest. Now, again, does he say life is easy? He doesn't. In fact, one chapter prior to this one in Matthew chapter 10, verse 16, he tells his disciples, I'm sending you out as sheep among wolves. Do you know what that imagery is? That's like Jesus saying like, hey, precious little disciples of mine, you know what you're like? You're like sheep among wolves who want to eat you and tear you up. God bless you. Have a great day. That, that's actually Jesus is saying that is what life with me is like. In John chapter 16, verse 33, he says, In this world, I promise you, you will have many troubles. But take heart, for I've overcome the world. So Jesus doesn't promise us a carefree life. He doesn't promise us a life without problems or troubles. He doesn't promise that everyone's going to love you for following him. That's not what the, the life that Jesus says. That's not the easy life he's talking about. What I believe Jesus is saying is that living the ways of Jesus is understanding life according to how we are created to live. The ways of Jesus are a perfect representation of how God has created us to interact with him, with one another, and with our environment, with our surroundings and the world in which we're placed. And there's rest because we're not striving against who we're created to be. There's not rest when our goal is to be the most popular, the wealthiest, the happiest, the biggest house, the most perfect kids, to only have people love you on Instagram, to have the most followers, and have the best TikTok. So, uh, never mind, just seeing if any of you are with me with that one. The life that God has created us to be is what it means to take Jesus' yoke upon you, the ways of Jesus. So, why should, and so a part of that for us then this year 
is I want to challenge all of us. Let's be people who grow in that aspect of our life this year. Would you be willing to grow in your love for Jesus and your knowledge of him, but then grow in your spiritual life of how his ways are lived out among you day after day? That's a challenge I want to give you. Now, let me just ask you this. Why should we care about growing? One, again, because this is the way we're created to live. Think, listen to these words that Paul wrote, the Apostle Paul wrote in Philippians chapter 1. He says, this is my prayer for you, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth and insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Paul's desire for each of us is that we may grow in this knowledge of God, but also the depth and insight, and we may be able to discern the way of life, the way of righteousness is right relationships with God and others. This is something that we should care about because it's how we're created to be in Christ. And I believe that this way, these ways are ways that are transformative in our world. Dallas Willard, a professor and author, says this way. For Christians, he says, The greatest issue facing our world today, with all of its heartbreaking needs, is whether those who are Christians will become disciples of Jesus, steadily learning from him and how to live the life of the kingdom of heaven into every corner of human existence. So Dallas Willard, who is this great godly man, who is a professor at USC, said the greatest issue isn't all of the different things that are popping up in our world that we're facing. Those have always existed. But the greatest issue is will followers of Jesus live out the ways of Jesus into every corner of the universe? And what that takes is for us to continue to grow in our knowledge of him and the application of that faith. And that's going to take intentionality. You know, psychologists say that if you want to experience transformation and change in your life, that what you love in your heart will always trump what you know in your head. So the amount of knowledge you have doesn't create any sort of transformation or change compared to what you love in your heart. Here's a case in point. Here's an example. I know in my head that eating a certain way is healthier for me and will help me stay in shape. In fact, my wife yesterday said, hey, it's January. We just ate, you know, holiday food for the last nine months during COVID. So, so let's start off the year in a new way. And she, she like chopped up this and she asked us, hey, you guys want some? I made this salad and we all looked in it. My boys and I and were like, that's not salad. That's just a bunch of vegetables chopped up. We couldn't even see the lettuce or the croutons or the creamy Caesar dressing. Like, what? This isn't salad. I know that that bucket of food was probably healthier than the food that I like. But what I love in my heart is I love cooking, and I love cooking good food. And good food has cheese and, and meat and fat. Are you with me there this morning? Amen. My vegan friends, our brothers and sisters who are vegans, your food is not better than my food. I'm sorry. It's just not. And I know that in my heart because I love that. I love my food in my heart. So it's so hard to change the way I eat just based on what I know. Are you tracking with me? 
So if we're talking about spiritual formation, if it's only what we know, it's always going to fall and, and not have the same amount of change as what we love. And so the goal for us, any transformation is going to happen when we learn to love our God more and more, not just know about him. Tammy Comer once said this, you can't decide who you love. In other words, your heart just kind of falls. You can't choose who you're going to fall in love with or what you're going to fall in love with. So you can't decide who you love, but you can decide who you spend time with and therefore who you end up falling in love with. You can't decide who or what you love, but you can decide who and where you spend your time. And so I want to give you some challenges for this year. If we want to fall more in love with God, see our lives transform more and more into his image, we need to spend time immersing ourselves in the life of Christ. We can't force you to fall in love with God. We can't force our hearts to change, but we can take steps that allow us to be more in that presence of God that then leads to change. And that's when we're going to talk about spiritual disciplines. Here's some ideas that can help us do that in the year ahead. And spiritual disciplines, some people, I, I don't really like the term again because it makes it seem like, well, these are some part of life, spiritual growth, non-spiritual life, all of this, but in disciplines, it's not a word we like in our days anymore. Some people call these the, the practices of Jesus. If you look at the early church and the life of Christ who they were modeling, these are often practices of Jesus. We know that they can help us to grow in our spiritual lives. But I want to introduce you to a few spiritual disciplines. Some of you, this is old information, but hopefully with a renewed challenge. Some of you, this will be new information with a new challenge. But these are things that we can do to get our hearts in a posture where we're in the presence of God and more open to transformation. Okay, tracking with me on that? But before we talk about these spiritual disciplines, I want to give you three things to kind of disclaimer. Here they are. One, we are always being transformed. We're always in the process of transformation. So therefore, you have, you, wherever you are, I don't want you to feel an overwhelming amount of guilt or shame for your own spiritual life. Don't say, oh, I failed again. Oh, I said I was going to study scripture again, and I didn't do it. I just, I'm so down on this continuum of what spirituality looks like. I don't want you to feel too much guilt with that. So if you fail with something, we're always in process of growing, okay? Now, we're always in process of growing, so that also means you have not arrived. So don't think, well, I've, I've already done the spiritual growth thing. Now I'm the standard. You'll know you're, you're done transforming and changing when you're dead. Okay, so that's how it works. We're always in the process of transformation. So that allows us to give grace to ourselves, knowing that we're in process, and it allows us to give grace to others, to say, hey, I, it doesn't matter where you are or where I am in this journey. We're all being transformed. Paul said it this way in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse eight, 3, verse 18. He said that we are being transformed with ever-increasing glory, or that means in the likeness of our God. It's ever-increasing. So one, we're always being transformed. Two, this is done through the power and the work of the Holy Spirit. 
So your change and spiritual transformation comes through the power of the Holy Spirit working in you. Now, we have a role to play, but it's the power and the work of the Holy Spirit in you. St. Francis Assisi said this way, spiritual formation happens with God. Without God, you can't. And without you, he won't. So without God working in your life, you can't, you can't become more like Christ. But without you participating, he won't. He's not going to do the work. You, it's not like I liked it, where, how I used to try to do school when I was in high school, which was just I'll show up for the tests and I'll be fine. And I don't have to do the homework or anything. So it's not that way. It's God wants you to participate. So one, we're always being transformed. Two, it's by the power of the Holy Spirit. And three, this is who you already are. What I mean by that is we're not talking about becoming a new, a better version of you. Matt mentioned that at the very beginning. This is what's already true of your identity of everyone who's in Christ. You are a new creation. You are a person in the image of Jesus. That is who you are. Now, the sin in our lives are what sometimes keeps us from living that identity. And so we are transformed. We're not being transformed into something new. We already are something new, and we're starting to learn to walk in those new shoes. You tracking with me on that? So don't think, oh, I just, I need to get, I'm going to earn this new status. No, Jesus earned that status for you. You are a new creation, and that cannot be undone. So. That, those things are true of us. So now here's just some things, some spiritual disciplines I want to challenge you with for this year. Now, I'm going to give you some ideas. I don't expect any of us to do all of these. And some of you are really good at already practicing some spiritual disciplines. Some have tried them in the past. I want to introduce some to you. Maybe you, you probably have heard of a lot of these. But these are ways that we can intentionally put ourselves in the presence of Jesus so that we can be transformed and fall deeper in love with him. And there's two categories. I don't like the, the terminology of this first one, but it is what it is. It's the disciplines of abstinence. And what that means are things that we kind of take away. So some of those disciplines are silence and solitude, fasting, sacrifice, maybe even generosity. Those are some of those that these are disciplines that maybe you abstain from, you take away from your life. So silence and solitude, you take some noise away, you take relationships away for a period of time. This is not like, okay, next year I'm practicing silence and solitude, leave me alone. I got a pile of books, I'm good to go. You introverts are like, silence and solitude? What? I, tell me more, I'm in. The other ones are this, the disciplines of engagement. And these are things that we do. The ca those categories are study, so studying the word of God, worship, celebration, service, prayer, fellowship. So even gathering together is a, a spiritual discipline that helps us to actually experience the presence of God. So as we look at some of those, and I, I'll give you some specifics with some of these, but some of these for you, you'll hear in your personality will naturally be drawn to some of those. Some of those are easier for others. For example, again, I said silence and solitude. Introverts, you actually need silence and solitude to function. I get it. 
And so you, you have that as a normal rhythm, but do you have a, a rhythm where you say, I'm going to pause and intentionally be quiet to be in the presence of God? Now, some of you extroverts, let me give you a challenge. Consider this year, whether it be once a week or once a month, maybe baby steps every six months, some of you extroverts could benefit from taking a half day or a day and saying, I'm going to have a day of silence and solitude where I'm just going to be quiet. And by the way, you know what that means? That means taking your phones and turning them off. In fact, I think as a church, we should do a silence from your phones like once a week. Just turn it off, at least for a few hours. That's how people used to live, by the way. Remember the good old days? <laughs> when you weren't home, it meant I'll, find it, I'll answer the message when I get back. It used to work. Some of you, I would challenge you, maybe you need to practice that. If you feel rushed and hurried all the time and you're just filled with noise, maybe you need to enter that, into, into that. Disciplines of, uh, and then the one of, of sacrifice, generosity. Some of you are so consumed by stuff. One of the best ways to correct our hearts is to be more free with our stuff. Because the truth is, the more you do something or the more you have, the more you want. It's just the nature of our hearts. It's just how we are. So if you find yourself struggling with materialism and stuff, practice generosity and see what it can do to your heart. Some of these disciplines of engagement, studying the Word of God. I actually think there's a few that we should all engage in. One of them is studying the Word of God. Some of you, you're like, I'm in. I can do that five hours a day. Our teaching team, we get together, we study these passages. The people on the teaching team love to dive into the Word of God. It's easy for us. It's just something we like to do. I like to read. I used to read through the Bible every year. This year coming up, I'm going to read through the New Testament and the Psalms, and we're challenging you to do the same. If you uh, uh, subscribe to our daily encounters, this year we're going to give you, it, it works out to five chapters of the New Testament, and three psalms a week. That's it. It's not that much. We're going to give you that challenge. Wouldn't it be cool if, if our whole church read through the New Testament this year? And it just, in some days, let me be honest, some days you're going to read, you're going to get to the end and be like, hmm, okay, that's it. Your heart won't feel massively changed. But there's something that happens about being intentional about the presence of God. And if you read through the whole Bible, there's plenty of chapters that you'll read and be like, yeah, not really feeling it today, God. <laughs> and that's okay. Continue that practice. Some of you, it might be every day. Some of you, I encourage you to add at least one day a week. Get into the Word. Uh, prayer. Prayer is one that is not, a, that's not one of my favorite ones. I'm not good at the prayer. I pray but it's not, I don't crave it. Some of you crave prayer. Some of you are up at like 5 a.m. praying. You've prayed more by, by the time most of us get out of a bed. Than, I mean, you've already like, you're in the presence of God. You're on a full cup of coffee or a pot of coffee. And you're just like, you're, I mean, you're just glowing early in the morning because just prayer, you're in God's presence. Some of us are like, we pray like that and we wake up eight hours later. It's morning time. You know what I'm saying? So it's, give yourself grace wherever you are. But if that's a struggle for you, enter it in. Enter into it in steps. Another one I want to mention is fellowship. You're here. This is great. This is part, this is a spiritual discipline. 
being involved in a small group as a spiritual discipline. I want to talk for a moment to our online friends and to some of you out here. I want to encourage you, some of you are online because you love that you can do it at your convenience and it's quiet. Or you're just hanging out, you're making breakfast, you're engaged with us right now, you're feeling guilty. It's not me, it's the Holy Spirit. But some of you are at home for health reasons, and that's awesome. But I want to encourage you, if you've gotten to the habit of engaging online only, to find ways to still be in fellowship with other Christians. We're going to be setting up some digital formats for you to do that. We want to encourage you maybe to come out and see people face-to-face if you're comfortable with that. I know for me, I, I'm, we're in a life group, and I love my life group. We have an awesome life group. And I need to be in a life group because the discipline of fellowship, I like people, but I don't naturally want to connect that way all the time. But it's such a great discipline for me to have a group that I have, that, that I have, to, that I have to like. I have to be around. No. A group of people that I'm forced into a rhythm of engaging and connecting with them. Because I'm with some of you at home. If it was me making breakfast and, and watching church with my kids and my dog and my wife, th- I would be totally happy. But it's not good for me. I need to be around others. And so some of you, you think, oh, yeah, it's so easy for me to just be solo. This life isn't meant to be lived alone. So those are a few challenges for you this year. Uh, If you want to do the read through the Bible with us, that's great. Another one is journaling. And uh, we provide these life journals for you. If you don't have one and you want to do it, this is for following along with the sermon notes. But you can use it for a journal. I also am not a journaler. Again, some of the introvert skills of the silent solitude, journaling, all that, those aren't mine. But... um, but some of you love journaling too. But, you know, tracking what God's doing in your life, that's a great way too. You can pick these up at our guest services. They're our gift to you. Um, we want to encourage you. Let's be people who are intentional this year. And I'm going to invite the worship team to start making their way back up. You know, if you look back at the year we just got through, and if you say, well, I feel like I didn't really change much spiritually. My life is about the same. You know, there's this old saying that says the definition of insanity is doing the same things over and over again and expecting a new result, a different result. Some of us in our own spiritual lives need to change some of the practices. And again, you're not doing this to earn. You're not doing this to be better than anyone else. We're doing this out of a love for Jesus and a desire to be transformed by him to be more and more in his likeness so that we can live his ways. So take one of these challenges, maybe a couple of them this year. Give yourself grace when you fail. Don't give up after one bad day or one week. And let's be people who find ourselves in the presence of Jesus this year and see how he changes and transforms us. And know that as we do it, you're going to have some tough days. I told the first service, in fact, while I was planning this message, I was going over it in my head, driving my truck on Cerro Road. If you know Cerro, it's one way each direction. And there was a car going like 10 miles an hour in front of me. And literally, I was thinking, Lord, just how do I help people at Seacoast learn to live the ways of Jesus? What the heck is wrong with this car in front of me? Why, what is, why can't they drive? Okay, Lord, um, so maybe that's a good example. 
And then I drove my car, like, right up, like, four inches from the back of them. And I drive a big Dodge Ram, so all they could see is the Ram, like, going. That's, that's my way of saying, Lord, I just, I'm encouraging them to, you know, use their right pedal a little bit more. And so even while I'm planning this message, God's working on my heart to say, oh, yeah, how, how's the way of Jesus look now? And again, one final quote, Dallas Willard said this. When we talk about spiritual formation, is what would your life look like if Jesus was living your life? Not what would Jesus do, but what would your life look like if your life was his? This year, let's let 21 be a year where our lives are his. So we're going to end and we're going to sing. The band's actually going to sing a blessing over us, over this church. You can join in and sing it as a blessing to the church family. Let's start off 2021 with a desire to know Jesus more and to be the people we're already created to be. So would you stand with me? We pray for you as we sing this final song. God, we thank you, Lord, that you don't give up on us. You never let us let us go. And God, I thank you that even in our strengths and our weaknesses, you are there. And so, Lord, would you transform and change our hearts today and let this year be a year where we love you more, serve you more, and allow you to live our true identity through us. Give this to you in Jesus' name.